Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. In the middle of a series... Uh, that we just said that we're, we're purposing to break the back of lack. I have been waiting to jump into this message, and so it's been some time coming, getting ready for this one. And so we're actually into it just a little bit uh, into this series. And so uh, we may take all summer long just dealing with this subject of breaking the back of lack. And so I trust that it's been a blessing to you. And the funny thing is, is that I think when we talk about this, immediately people start thinking that uh, we're going to talk about money. But do you realize that we haven't said a thing about money? We've been dealing with all kinds of areas of lack. And really, lack is nothing more than poverty, right? And therefore, if we don't acknowledge areas of poverty in our lives, it can overcome and overwhelm us. Because you realize you can have poverty in your marriage. You can have poverty in your finances. You can have poverty in your physical health. You can have poverty in your mentality. And if there's too much poverty in multiple areas of your life, you just simply become consumed with a life of poverty and you never realized it. Right? I mean, you can have all the money in the world and be living in poverty because there's more areas in your life that are impoverished other than just your bank account. Amen? Amen. Well, just to kind of set us off here, let me lighten up the, lighten up the move for just a second. Uh, you realize that I'm not a joke teller. I tell the worst jokes or I tell the best jokes Badly. That's, I guess, a better way of saying it. And so in, in honor of Father's Day, uh, my son told this joke to us just a few weeks ago. And I don't know if he made this up, but he was so proud of this joke. And it actually, the way he told it, it made me laugh. And so I may not do it justice. Maybe I'll need to go get him sometime and have him tell the joke. But he said, Dad, he said, what did the baby corn say to the mama corn? I said, what? Where's popcorn? Like I said, a little boy telling you that, it's a whole lot more funny. So anyways, happy Father's Day. You're free to tell that one to any of your friends, all right? You put your own twist on it, make it as funny as you want it to be. Amen. Amen. So listen, as I said, we're getting into this subject of breaking the back of lack. And if you recall, we said that there's a couple of scriptures that we've looked at. First of all, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, if you recall, it says this. It says, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty. That word called means to, to be summoned. You have been summoned or called to liberty. Then it goes on to say, only do not use this liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So the Bible says that you have been called to liberty or summoned to liberty. That means that not everybody is going to answer, Right? So that means that there's going to be people within your church that don't experience liberty, while others do. And it says, now don't use this liberty as an opportunity to serve you or your flesh. He says, use it as an opportunity or this liberty is to love and serve one another. Amen. So do you remember what we said liberty means? We said that the word liberty means privilege. It means exemption. 
It means immunity. So therefore, Jesus said that there is a life of privilege, immunity, and exemption that we are to experience if we choose to do it the right way, and that is to serve and love one another. But it only comes the way God says it comes. He says you've got to learn how to serve and how to love one another. Then if you recall, we said out of Leviticus, we said that concerning Poverty, we said that really a simple definition of poverty is when it doesn't reach. How many of you have ever experienced things in your life where it didn't reach? The money didn't reach to the end of the week. The food didn't last in the cabinets to the end of the week. It didn't reach, and therefore, again, we said that a simple definition of poverty is when it doesn't reach. Amen? Now, if you recall, in the last couple of weeks, we said the number one way that we deal with things in our life not reaching is to serve people. But as a result of not having a heart to serve people, we said that that creeps up in a whole lot of different areas. We said, first of all, uh, it can produce and create prejudice, Right? Why do people look at skin color? Why do people look at gender? Why do people look at sexual orientation and say, listen, uh, you don't qualify because you're not like me. And so because we live in this life of poverty or not looking to serve people or not reaching, we allow there to be outward things to bring poverty into our life. Amen? And you see that in this greater Flynn area. We also said concerning last week that there is poverty that can enter into a marriage. Why is pornography such a problem within the church? We said that pornography is rampant. 80% of individuals within the church are struggling with pornography. Why? Because something is not reaching or there's uh, been a lie that has been told that says uh, the relationship that I have with my spouse, it it isn't sufficient. So therefore, I've got to add to it and give myself to things that bring detriment to my marriage Because something feels like, or I've bought into this lie that it's not reaching. Amen? So this morning, I want to talk about how we can celebrate dads. And in celebrating dads, in uh, commending dads for the sacrifice that they make, and as we look at just this community and America as a whole, there is an epidemic of absent fathers. And therefore, because men have not stepped into the place of fathers, fathers have not been reaching. There has been a poverty in the been poverty within the life of children, within the home, within families, because men have not learned nor stepped up to the place of being fathers, and therefore it doesn't reach. And there's a lot of things that are coming out of the family or in people's lives as a result of the poverty or the deficiency of a father. And you see, the number one job of a father is to serve his family, is to serve his children. And the number one job as a father is to serve them into a place of loving God. That's our number one ministry. I said this to you last week. And I know it was a really strong statement, but it's so easy for us to say, well, you know what? I'm just going to put my family first. I'm just going to put my kids first. 
And we think that that is a right thing to say. We think that that is a noble thing to say. But God never said to put your family first. He never said to put your kids first. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added. So in other words, if we'll learn to, as fathers, to prioritize life and put God first, that's how we end up serving our children and our family. And we lead them in this life of knowing and having a relationship with God. Amen? Let me just give you some statistics here. I'm a numbers guy. I, I like looking at statistics because, again, numbers don't lie. It really kind of tells us and gives us a heartbeat of really just some things that are going on in our, in our country. Here's some numbers for us in regards to fathers or those that are absent in the home. An estimated 24 point, almost 25 million children live absent from their biological fathers. Other studies show that students between the ages of grade 1 through 12, almost 40% of those children live in homes that have an absent father. Among children who are a part of the post-war generation, 90, almost 90% of them lived in a home with both moms and dads. Today, It's barely one-third. Come on, think of that post-war generation. That's just a few decades ago. And nearly 90% of children live with both a mom and a dad in the home. And today, it is barely 30%. And you wonder why the family is going to hell in a handbasket. You wonder why our country seems to be falling apart at the seams. It's because there has been a deficiency or there's been poverty in the home. And it's because the lack of a father that has been present. Here's some more statistics. If you do not have a father in the home, you're seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teenager. If the father is not present, you're more likely to have behavioral problems. If father is gone, you're two times at a greater risk of infant mortality. If you do not have a father in your life, you are more likely to face abuse and neglect. If dad is gone, you're more likely to commit crimes and go to prison. You're more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol. If dad is not in your life, you're two times more likely to suffer, now listen to this, from obesity, simply because dad isn't in the home. And lastly, if dad is not in the home, you're four times at a greater risk of living a life of poverty. Come on, those are staggering numbers. See, dads, we have such a vital role to play in the life of our children. Our children need us. Amen? And much of the poverty that we face and that we see in this country, in this community, is the result of dads not stepping up and being dads. Amen? Man, I don't know about you, but when I look at my kids... I can't even fathom the idea of not having a relationship with my kids. I can't fathom the idea of being separated for long periods of times from my kids. You know, uh, we were blessed just this past week with a, with a swing. Uh, it was a beautiful two-person swing uh, for the yard. You know, just kind of a leisurely thing. I don't even know how to describe it. What's that? Yeah, like a porch swing. There you go. Yeah, my daughter says, hey, Dad, we could put it on the front porch. I'm like, well, it's not that big, baby. <laughs> you know, we, we don't have room up there. But last night, the kids were, they get, 
got out of the pool. I was sitting on the, uh, the swing, and my son came over and sat with me. He said, hey, Dad. He says, you think this can be our swing? I said, sure, bud. He said, hey, in the morning, can we come out here and sit together? And I said, sure. I said, man, we can get some donuts. I said, I'll get some coffee and some milk. And he said, well, Dad, I don't drink coffee. I said, well, that's why I said the milk. The milk was for you. The coffee's for me. (laughs) But there's just something about my kids. It's like I could not even fathom the idea of not having a relationship with my kids. But obviously, I had a father that modeled that in front of me that wanted to have a relationship with me. Amen? According to these statistics, 75% of the United States population, the fatherless issue is the most significant family and social problem facing America today. Come on. We look at the money. We say, well, it's a money problem. We say, well, it's a, it's a political problem. It's a, it's a political party problem. No, it's a father problem. There has been poverty in the homes because dads have checked out. And therefore, as a result, this country has taken a turn. Amen. And again, this isn't just something that is new. This is something that happened right at the very beginning. There was a father that says, listen, I'm not going to be a man. She says, hey, don't you want to try some of this fruit? He could have been a man. He could have been a father and says, no, God said not to do that. and Therefore, we won't. But he said, well, okay, if you say so. Come on, too many men aren't being men. I don't know how, how the factory spit out men that has spaghetti string backbones, but I'm telling you, men need to learn how to step up and be men. Amen? And please don't hear me being hard or critical. That's not my point. I'm just saying God has called us, has a mandate. There is a call to liberty immunity and freedom there is immunity from all these statistics there is exemption from all these statistics there is a liberty that god wants the family to experience but it comes through us answering the call and men we have a call to be fathers and listen when they get out of the house the call don't stop amen man i'm so glad that dad is still dad you know, I've talked to individuals, men that have said, you know, when it comes to my dad, I just, I don't, I don't ever call my dad. I don't, I don't think to call dad and say, hey, dad, I need help. You know, it's just not a part of my thinking. And it, it grieves my heart because, man, there's things that I need dad still for today. You know, hey, dad, can you give me a hand? Hey, dad, can you help? Hey, dad, what do you think? Hey, dad, you got some money? Hey, <laughs> 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 man. <laughs> I don't try to do that, no. What am I saying? He's still dad. I mean, I'm almost 50 years old, and I'm still little Tony to them. I've been trying to get out of being little Tony. I've just come to the place that I'm always going to be little Tony to mom and dad, right? And I get it as a father because when I see my little boy, he says, hey, dad, can we just swing on the swing? Can this be our spot? I mean, when, I'm, when my son's 50 years old, I hope he's still saying, hey, dad, can we swing on the swing? Because of the relationship that we had. You see, fathers, we have the ability to impart and pour into the lives of our children. You know, my children, they have rabbits, thanks to my dad. (laughs) And yeah, we were just blessed with some additional rabbits. Yeah. Uh, There was a male and a female. We didn't realize it at the time, but they had chewed through the fence. I'm telling you, when love is burning hot, man, they'll chew through a wire fence, man. I'm telling you. But she got through there, and obviously they made a love connection. And so we just, just four days ago, we had a, 
half, half dozen litter of, of little rabbits. But here's the thing. The one rabbit is a lion head. That's the real fluffy, cute ones. The, the father is, they call him a tan. He's black and got some uh, tan markings. And if you look at those little babies, you would never question as to who the dad is. Because you look at them like, oh, you the daddy. I mean, they just look like dad. Why? Because dad made an investment and God has, or excuse me, dad has a legacy now, right? Well, so there are our legacy. Our children are our legacy. What we have imparted into them is what they become. If we don't impart anything into them, they still become, right? There's a ministry that God has given us to be as moms and dads and fathers. The Bible says, Everything reproduces after its own kind. Those rabbits. You know, I didn't go out there and find little kittens. I found rabbits, right? You as a father, you as a mother are going to reproduce after your own kind. Not just in the form of boy or girl, but what you are, who you are, how you live, how you think, how you uh, go through this life is what you are going to reproduce in your children. Amen? Come on, there are things in my life that I'm like, oh, dear God, that's dad. Just hate it. You know what I mean? Now, don't look at me that way. And I'm going to get an earful here you know, a little bit later when we hang out with dad. He's like, why do you always say that about me? And I'm just saying, you know, your, your parents have things that you just like, man, I don't like that about mom and dad. And <laughs> I got it. But then, thank God, there's all these attributes and qualities that my dad has that are great but then I look in the mirror and like man I got that from dad I became that because of dad see dad reproduced himself can you say amen? amen there's a growing problem that will not stop if we don't address it there is a problem within our culture concerning absent fathers and at the root of it it's a spiritual problem Because you see, the enemy knows that if you destroy the family, you destroy the nation. And that's why there is such a war on our nation. Because we are a nation that has been notorious for taking a stand for God. In God we trust. It was was the, the premise in how we founded this country. And obviously as the days approach, as time gets closer to the return of Christ we know that the war on the family is going to be intensified as we see it is now. So how do we answer this problem? In Second Chronicles chapter 7, starting in verse 13 through 15, it says, I'm going to read it from the Amplified. He says, If I shut up, <clears throat> excuse me, if I shut up the heavens so that, sh- th- that no rain falls, or if I command locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence and plague among Many people, and my people who are called by my name, if they'll humble themselves and pray and seek and crave and require as necessity my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them or hear them from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears will be attentive to their prayers that they offer in this place. Did you hear what God said? He says, listen, if there's a plague that goes on now, many times we'll read that and say, well, you mean God puts bad stuff on you? No. The translation is, is 
if I permit bad things to happen, and oftentimes the things that are permitted as a result of your behavior or decisions you make as individuals, right? And he says, listen, if there's things that are going on in your life, if there's things that you don't like, if there's things that you don't like seeing, if there's plagues, if there's an epidemic of poverty because the result of dads being absent in the home, then all you need to do is humble yourself, purpose to seek God, repent from your ways and say, God, we want help. And God says, I'll come down and I'll heal your land. See, that's why God needs a church and a faith believing church within a community because in the midst of poverty in the midst of sheer junk of life men and women and families can stand up and say we're still going to serve God and he's going to use us to heal this land amen Amen. if you've got stuff going on in your home God knows what's going on but he says listen it can turn around it can change it may take time amen Now listen, here's one of the things that I understand. That as men, we have ego, we have pride, we have our male vibrato. And we think that being masculine is about being tough. You realize the most masculine thing that you can do is be a man of God. And for many, that seems as though that's a weak thing. As though I got to be real meek and mild. The Bible is full of men of God that had tenacity, that were bold, that changed the landscape because they had a relationship with God. Amen? My challenge is for us to be people that would fall in love with Jesus. You know, as I began to get ready, I started to think of a few things concerning my dad, and as you started to think about one thing, you started thinking about another, and you started thinking about this, and you started thinking about that. And, and, and I just thought of a few things and jotted them down as things that stood out concerning my father as I grew up. I remember my dad, he played softball, and there was one particular time that we went out afterwards, the softball game, and I, th- I don't know, I think we went to a bar or something, and, and, and you know, we're eating pizza, but had a conversation with dad, and I remember dad saying, you know, There's a lot of guys that like to go running around with their buddies and hanging out. He said, but I'm not that kind of guy. He said, my family is who I want to spend time with. My family, my wife, my kids are the friends that I want to hang out with. And that was 40 plus years ago. But I remember dad making that statement. I remember as a young boy seeing dad sit at the table and drawing, having a couple projects that he was working on. And as a result of that, I would sit down at the table and draw with dad. And because of that, I have a very artistic nature about me. I'm a pretty decent drawer. But my oldest daughter, for whatever reason, she must have seen me doodling or drawing or whatever. And my oldest daughter is extremely creative. I mean, she's so much better than I was at that age. I can't wait to see how talented she's going to be when she gets older. But that's been passed down from one generation to the next simply because dad sat down with his son and drew. I think about dad in some of his qualities. Dad could tie a mean knot. I mean, this was before the time where they had, you know, the, 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 the ratchet straps, you know, to crank things down. I mean, if dad put a tractor on a trailer, he would tie that sucker down and get it all wound up. By the time he got to where, I mean, let's say, for instance, we were going up north hunting. You know, it takes a couple hours to get up north. You'd get up to the place where where we were hunting, and those 
ropes that he would tie down, I mean, they were still as taut as they were when he left the place. I mean, they, they were so taut. I mean, you could play guitar on them. I mean, they're just tight, man. You know what I mean? I tie a string. I mean, by the time I get down the road, it's flapping in the wind, you know. Dad just knew how to tie a knot. You know, Dad was notorious for spit shining his shoes. I don't necessarily, I haven't paid attention to his shoes lately. But take a look. I'll probably put him on the spot now. But, I mean, he is notorious for having spit shined shoes. I mean, so shiny that you could look in it and actually you could shave off of his shoe. Still does. I remember that as a kid and trying to learn how to get my shoes shine. Because dad always said, you look at a man, you can tell what kind of man he is by the shoes that he wears. And so, man, he would tell me, he says, now you got to build up the wax on the shoe. Put a layer of wax on it, put it over some heat to kind of melt it, let it blend down. Then you put another coat on there. Now, you can't just use any kind of rag. You can't use a real fluffy rag like a wash rag. You've got to use something like a T-shirt, you know, and get that, get that rag working it in. And then he said, you know, you've got to put a little, little uh, uh, wax on the end of the, your finger there because that starts to smooth it out. Spit it, you know, man, I'm telling you, Dad could spit shine a pair of shoes. Always wanted to have shoes like Dad because, well, not the kind of shoes Dad wore. But the shine that dad, <laughs> you know, no boy wants to wear the shoes that his dad wears, you know. Anyways, that's a whole other conversation. Another thing that dad was good at was sharpening knives. I mean, if dad sharpened a knife, uh, sharpened a knife, man, you could, shave, you could shave the hair off your arm. I mean, I try to do that now. Still can't do what, God, what dad did. But again, things that I remember about dad. Dad would say this to me. He said, people always think that we are better off than we are. And he said, the only reason why people think that is because we live smart. He said, everybody else lives on credit. And people just look at us by living a life of using wisdom to get where we've got. And people think that we're so much further ahead. Can you say amen? I remember as a young boy. Dad says, you're not going to play all kinds of sports. Obviously, he was saying, you know, I'm not going to run all over the countryside, taking you here and there. But one of the things that I do remember Dad saying, he's like, pick what you want to do. And when you pick what you want to do, be the best at it. You be the best. Amen? And so I was in karate. And as I started thinking about that, I'm thinking, you know, the only reason I got into karate because Dad was like in karate. Dad watched the karate movies, and he's like, what do you think? And Dad had an influence on me as a result of the things that Dad liked, and so therefore I got into karate. I can still remember. Bruce Lee died in 1973. The last movie that he put out, well, one of his last movies, was Enter the Dragon. Anybody remember that one? And I remember being at the drive-in. Dad had a 72 Corvette convertible. And I remember sitting in the back little hatch of the, of the convertible vet watching at the drive-in theater Enter the Dragon. Amen? And I remember there was one scene where there was a nude scene. And Dad's like, can't look at that, boy. Now, here's something to tell you. 1972, I still remember that scene as a little boy that I saw. Again, that's a whole other topic. (laughs) Just saying. But I remember the influence of Dad. I got a Rottweiler dog. I was wanting a Chesapeake Bay. But Dad says, hey, what do you think about Rottweilers? I said, I like Rottweilers. Got two of them. Why? Because Dad had an interest in Rottweilers. Right? See, dads have the ability to influence. My mom wanted me, 
well, she didn't want me to be in quizzing. I was in Bible quizzing as a young boy. Mom became the quizzing coach, quizzing drill sergeant. I was in it for several years, and my last year, I was the top Bible quizzer for the entire state of Michigan. Now, I didn't tell you that to tell you about me being the top quizzer. I told you that because when they called my name, if you know my dad, my dad is not real loud, real flamboyant. He's not one to make a scene. But when they called my name, there's probably a couple hundred people in this auditorium. They called me up, not to be first place, but to be the top quizzer in the state of Michigan. When they handed me the trophy, out of the crowd, my dad says, that's my boy. Come on. Why does that stick with me? Because dad was proud of his son. And it wasn't about shooting a basketball, throwing a baseball. It was about learning the word of God. Amen. And then lastly, just something that, again, that I'm talking about messing or not messing, uh, 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 sticking with me in life, a couple things. When I was messing up as a kid, as a teenager, I remember coming home and seeing my mom and dad and my pastor and his wife downstairs praying. As I'm trying to sneak up the stairs, they're praying for me. As a young kid, one of the Memories I have of my dad in the old church back when I was running around. I remember they had an altar time where they invited people to come forward to spend time with God at the altar. And I remember dad getting up from that altar. And that picture is vivid in my mind. Dad standing up, coming back to his seat. Tears all over his face, snot running down his face. And you say, well, why is that such a a, a memory for you? Because if you know my dad, my dad doesn't like to be seen undone. There's not a hair out of place. He don't blow his nose in public. But he got up from the altar being a wreck. Why did that stick out to me as a son? Because he had such a time with God. That he's spending time in the presence of God. Tears streaming down his face. Snot running down. And he just saying, I don't care. I just had time with God. And that meant something to me as a young boy. It burned in my memory seeing dad that was never out of place. My dad was the kind of guy that pressed blue jeans. I mean, I don't know if he still does. But I mean, he creased blue jeans to the point that you could cut watermelon with the crease, man. It was so sharp. I mean, that, I mean, his jeans would stand up in the corner because they were so pressed. That's my dad. But I'm saying dad got up from being in the presence of God, being a mess because he was in the presence of God and didn't care what anybody said or thought about him. I'm talking about an investment that a father makes in the life of their children. Amen? Just a couple final thoughts and I'll close. I'm talking about men that will be examples and lead their home. You know, the Bible tells us that Solomon was a phenomenal king was known to be the richest man that ever lived, but also the wisest. And God says to him, what can I do for you? And the Bible says that Solomon, King Solomon says, I don't want riches, I want wisdom because I want to know how to serve your people. See, we said that liberty is learning how to serve people. 
He says, God, I want wisdom so that I can serve you and serve your people. And God says, listen, I'll give you wisdom, but I'll also give you riches. Why did Solomon have a heart to serve God and God's people? Because his father was King David. King David, you know, had mess-ups in his life. We all do, but the Bible has recorded for eternity that David is a man after God's own heart, and therefore he is a father example, and therefore Solomon had somebody to look to and say, I want to be like Dad. And you see the heart of Solomon in his wisdom to serve God and serve people. There was two women that came and says, this is my baby. And the one woman says, no, it's my baby. The other woman says, no, it's my baby. He says, I got the solution. Cut the baby in half and give it to both of them. What was he doing? He was looking for the woman that would serve. And the real mother says, no, 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 just give the baby to her. Don't cut the baby in half. The heart to serve revealed the truth. And it was simply because he was a man that wanted to serve God and his people and had a father that was an example. Remember Abraham? God says, I'm going to give you a son. And from this son, you're going to be the father of many nations. God says, are you willing to sacrifice your son? Abraham said, yes, I will. Took him up. Isaac saying, Dad, hey, where, where's the sacrifice? He says, God will provide. Get up a little bit further. Hey, Dad, where, where's, where's the sacrifice? God will provide. And the Bible says that Abraham bound his son and was ready to take his son's life, <clears throat> excuse me, knowing that God would provide, either raise his son from the dead or provide another. And the Bible says that God stopped him because he saw his heart to serve. See, in that sacrifice was not just serving himself. It wasn't just serving his son. It wasn't just serving the lineage of his life. It was serving nations. And the Bible says in Galatians chapter 3 that we're redeemed from the curse, having liberty and freedom because of a father that said, I have the heart to serve. Amen. So dads, my final challenge, to break the back of lack. You can provide all the toys, all the luxuries, all the seemingly liberties that this world has to offer. But if you or your children don't know God, you're living a life of poverty. Your job as a father is to help your children know God firsthand. Fathers, let your children see you praying. Let your children see you reading the Word of God. Let your children see you in church. You see, if you look at church as being optional, your kids will look at Jesus as being unnecessary. God needs you to be a father. Fall in love with Jesus. You might be here this morning and you're saying, I don't know how to love Jesus. I know that I love Him and I believe in Him, but to have a personal relationship with Him, for some, that might be so far off. And here's what I want you to do. Just simply pray, Holy Spirit, give me a heart to know Jesus. We're praying for you. 
that the eyes of your understanding would be open, that you would have wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. And if you'll simply say, Holy Spirit, help me want to know Jesus, you'll find that there's those little promptings on the inside to know Him. Just take one step at a time. And you'll find that you grow in your relationship with Him. And you'll begin to lead your family. Amen? Let's stand. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just going to pray over you as dads and over the family. Guys, it might be a strange thing for you to lead your home when it comes to the things of God or church or just a relationship with God. If you'll just sit down with your kids and say, you know what? Haven't always done it. Haven't done it right, but we're going to choose to make some choices. Your kids will honor your honesty. My kids just got out of school on Tuesday. And I said, kids, we're going to start doing daily devotions once we're out of school. We miss Friday. My son said to me Saturday, hey, Dad, we missed yesterday. Like, I know. See, they'll keep you honest and they'll keep you right with God. Simply because you lead them. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over these families, over these moms and dads, over these men. God, I pray that you would just burn a desire and a passion in our heart to know you firsthand. To get rid of the poverty in our life. In the search for all the privileges, God, help us reveal the poverty in our life. Things that are not reaching. Help us reach as fathers and as men. We thank you. That this year, this church, these families are breaking the back of a lack. And everyone said, Amen. Come on, let's just worship one last time. Subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.